podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, 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 everyone. You are listening to a very rough, a very scratched up Jack Graham. <laughs> I hope you're all doing well. Well, first, I'll apologise to you up for, for not being here last week, but I was on a wee holiday. I had my staycation. I had a brilliant time. But after after listening to what, what happened in the show, it seemed like all sorts of shenanigans happened in my, in my absence. Now, I'll, first, I'll come to you, Dave Hockney. You were the, the, the question master. Yeah. What, what the fuck happened? Oh, I'll tell you what happened. It was a historic moment here on ESSR as the savage known as Strack successfully defended the championship not once, but twice, and against both members of the Goat Tones. It was some pretty spectacular stuff. And if you missed out on that show, like, what were you doing? Like, because you missed out something truly spectacular. I'll tell you what I was doing. I was very rough last week on my, on my holiday and I still just continue to drink. But David Campbell, you, you, you've proved yet again, never trust the goat. And you've you managed to worm your way into the title shot and you still let everyone down. Please, Jack, don't judge me. You're telling us you're all scratched up. Whatever kinky shit you get up to in the bedroom is between you and whoever you're with in the car parks of, uh, of air. Like, that's, that's up to you. Listen, Ryan Gallagher knew what he was getting into with me. Whether Strack or Ryan won, my plan was always to cash in. That's just the goal. Me and Ryan are still fine. All right, Ryan understands the type of person I am. And if Ryan was in that position, he would have done the exact same thing. What I wish happened was that we beat that ignorant bastard Shrek, uh, at least one of us, to take that title off us, because he tied my record for most defences in one reign in a singular morning. So was it a good Saturday? No. But fuck Rio Ferdinand, you arrogant cunt. <laughs> Echo the voice of everyone. Echo the voice of everyone here. And of course, listen to Saturday Draft Live, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, wherever you get your good shit for podcasts, we're on it. So just go and check us out at Central in the past week. We've got a feature show coming out tomorrow. We've got another feature show coming out early next week, then Central again, and Saturday Draft Live, East and East West will be coming soon. Book it will be coming back to the YouTube channel. We're full of great content here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. So, so check us out wherever you can. But... Also, you're here to listen to the draft, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. And Dave, I will come to you first. Mm-hmm. In third place, I believe the first time he's been in the top three this week, carrying cross in 12 points for Ryan Douglas's team. Successful tonight with defensive takeover, appearance in NXT. Obviously, Ryan's first round pick. He must be pretty happy that he's finally getting the double-digit points. Yeah, definitely. And this was something we talked about carrying cross uh you know, compared to last season, he was a bit of a slow burner. He only started racking up points towards the end when he actually defeated Finn Balor for the title. Ever since you know, the first half, he didn't make as many appearances. But Ryan, you know, straight in there, picking him off the mat, knowing that somewhere down the line, he's going to capitalize on takeover points and, you know, get a big score uh, for his team. And he's just done that with uh, takeover in your house this weekend. So it's uh, it's a definitely a, it's a big get for, for Ryan's team and also... Cross always makes regular appearances on NXT as well, so that is finally propped him and propped him up into the top three. Yeah, I think he was he was 
I mean, aside for like the likes of Walter, obviously Scott's first round pick on three points. I think before before takeover, he was the the second worst first round pick, and he's propped himself up to like sixth or fifth overall. So he'd be quite happy that his first round pick, not maybe not proving a lot of indication, but he must be quite happy that eventually the points are are coming. But as you say, with carrying cross. Not that he doesn't wrestle all that much, it's more the NXT title doesn't get defended that regularly. So whether can he keep this man up, I do not know. But uh, David Campbell, I know we won't, we won't spend too much talking about our second place, Matt Captain Drew McIntyre, yeah. 14 points, but momentum keeps going for him. And maybe maybe more so for me, quite lucky that he had two victories on Raw, considering he probably won't win at Hell in a Cell. So maybe that will cancel out some points I could potentially lose come Sunday. Yeah, listen, there's, there was no question from us at this stage in the season uh, the asset that Drew McIntyre would be to your team. We're just coming up to that question mark. Now, Hell in a Cell and Beyond is that question mark for Drew McIntyre. Where does he go after Lashley? What is the story for Drew? Does he cool off? Does he even maybe take some time off? He's been he's been going full out, full throttle uh, for a lot of the past year, carrying Raw through the pandemic for the most part as the, the champion of that brand. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. 14 points in a week that doesn't come from a pay-per-view. We see a lot of takeover representation on that top scorers list, as we've already alluded to. Drew McIntyre did what he did from Raw alone. And that is impressive. 14 points going into Hell in a Cell. Like you say, Jack, probably going to lose. Could get some appearance points there for your captaincy, though. It'll be interesting to see what happens after Hell in a Cell. But as always, Drew McIntyre, solid pick. 79 points for the season. I rest like nothing more to say. Yeah. And our number one, David Hockney. Mm-hmm. Vindication. Vindication. Justification. Maybe, maybe not justification, but first first and number three of this week. The Kill Gonzalez, 16 points. You Big must Mammy be cool. happy. Yes, yes, I'm very happy with that. Like, not just from her victory at uh, TakeOver in your house, but she and Dakota Kai also picked up a tag team win uh, this week on NXT over Caden and Casey. Like, this is exactly what I was hoping for out of Raquel, finally. Now that she's, you know, not only is she competing in matches on TakeOvers, but she's also getting TV time and wins there as well. And tag team wrestling kind of just protects her a bit as it, also boost Dakota Kai in a way, which Dakota Kai is in fact undrafted as well. So there's no uh, no hampering with other team members trying to scoop people up. But um, yeah, this is kind of what I was hoping for out of Raquel and I hope she continues that momentum going forward. And there is a fun fact that I've just picked up on. Now, Stephen and Gary obviously picked before me and they picked Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley and they both assigned the captaincy to those two. I have not assigned the captaincy to Raquel. She's currently sitting on 28 points. So if I had the captaincy on her, she would actually be scoring higher than Bianca Belair. So does that add some justification for her to being a first-round pick? Possibly, or at least it takes some of the pressure off her room from her being one of the, the worst first-round wow. picks because she's now overtaking Karrion Cross as well, uh, who's sitting on 27. Yeah, I think it does now. Um, but we've got to remember the only thing with Raquel Gonzalez is we're talking about this coming right off of a takeover event. There are less takeover events than there are main roster pay-per-views. 
you know, so there will be more chance for Bianca. Bianca Belair, that's a good stat, Dave, but that could be null and void come Sunday when Bianca presumably defends against Bailey. You know, captaincy points will take her above what Raquel Gonzalez would have had with those captaincy points on her. You know, and then Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair will have more pay-per-view defences before Raquel Gonzalez, presumably, will get to defend that title again. So that's the only thing I would say to that is she's currently ranked sixth out of the round one picks. That's her, maybe her peak right now. That could fall still. So I I will still stand by what I said. I'd, I'd still think it was the wrong decision picking her there. However, I don't think it's a disaster that can't be overcome, especially when you can make some tweaks in the transfer window. There we go. That's that. We are now... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm rough. I'm sorry. That's right. That's the show, ladies and gentlemen. Through the Worcesters League. I'm happy with that, by the way. <laughs> oh, but go, hang on. Do we want to do the do we not want to do the top ten? I know, just I know. Dave, come on, it's a joke. We're having a carry on. I'm having a pipe. Put a sock in it, Dave. Carry on, on, mate. It's a wee carry on. <laughs> having a wee laugh. But as always, it's our top ten. Scott McLeod's uh, 94 and a half points in 10th position. Now, this has been his plan all along with the, the transfer window coming up and he's going to put a blinder and absolutely screw everyone over. But we'll wait and see. David Campbell, 103 points. Maybe you're kind of slightly happy. It was a wee insight to now that you're ninth, so you'll get the second transfer pick out of everyone on the table. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually it's difficult to say because obviously I've been thinking about the transfer window, but... I know it's a, it's a pure draft cliche for people to say my team is a slow burn, but there are people in my team I'm hesitant to draft away. Like Big E and Sami Zayn both could be contenders to win money in the bank, potentially. So I'm very sort of hesitant to let go of one of those two. And then the rumours about Becky Lynch just keep getting hotter and hotter, you know, as the weeks go on. And I'm just like, do I take that risk? Is the risk worth it or is there someone else out there who I can get in who will get me more points than Becky could potentially get should she reappear so I'm actually I'm happy that I'm getting you know the pick of the litter so to speak um, coming in so early into the the transfer discussions but at the same time Jack it's far from an easy decision I've got to make all I know is every night you'll have your computer up with this spreadsheet open looking at all the points of the undrafted people and you'll be (laughs) talking is it worth it is it worth it? We'll find out if it's worth it next week. But we'll talk about the transfer window later on. Ross McLeod, 8th position, 115 points. Dave, you're a few points ahead of him on 122. But maybe you'll finish 8th if Charlotte Fleur somehow wins and you'll get the third pick in the transfer window. Who knows? But drafting in the, kind of, the top half of the transfer window, so to speak, obviously you're sitting in 7th position. Maybe that helps with a few ideas for your transfer strategy. Well, I've already got one strategy in mind because, you know, WWE made a horrendous decision to let go of Braun Strowman. And so I'm operating with one less person compared to everyone else. I think that's I think that's a no-brainer to sort of go with the first initial transfer. With my other transfers, the only one I'm really considering changing is MJF, who hasn't really sort of lived up to, to expectations. You know, he's supposed to be better than you and you know it, but he's anything but at this stage. He's actually the lowest scorer and Braun Strowman's not even in WWE at the minute. He's still got 16 points. So yeah, definitely some changes to be considered. I might actually hold on to Chris Statlander because she still gets exposure with uh, being associated with best friends and she could get points uh, from either Dark Elevation or Dynamite. So there's definitely a strong sort of fourth, fifth round scorer to be had there. Well, Ross McLeod is below you, of course, as we were just saying, but maybe you will be in eighth. But above you, 
on 11 points. I don't know if you'll maybe get that high before the transfer window. Sarah Grieve on 133. Ryan Douglas, he must be fairly pissed off. The fucking the, the Reigns Rey Mysterio match happened on Friday and that took some pay per view appearance points from him away because they're his captains, obviously. But looks like he'll be holding on to the fifth position. I think for someone that's not done this before, I think that's a, a, a really good a really good start for him. Considering how close he has to Gary as well on 147, but yeah. he'll probably go away when Rhea Ripley wins and that gap will maybe the top four will kind of start to flounder off away from the rest of the table. Ryan Gallagher. Third position, 156 points. Closing that gap to Stephen Wilson in 163 in second place. And then you've got myself, 211 points. And I think that's 48 points ahead mm-hmm. of Stephen Wilson. So I, I will be first place, no doubt, when we go in the transfer window. But how? what's that point gap going to be? Who knows? Can I just say this about, we talk about Gary, right? And I know he's got this battle on, going battle with Frank Gallagher right now, sitting fourth this season. See Gary, the only way to beat Gary is to have like an exceptional season. He has the second highest average points out of any draft competitor. The highest is Grant, but Grant played uh, like half the seasons that Gary played. Gary's been in this thing uh, since season two, non-stop, never took a break. And it's had like so those lower scoring seasons, early doors, don't really affect his record because he's still two hundred and seven average points. Gary is such a good drafter, and I don't. It's I just wanted to bring that up because it's it's actually an anomaly at this point that Gary has never won a season because he's so consistent. It's unbelievable. Mm, he's just had a bit of uh, bad luck, you know, when it comes to every season. I mean, look at his team right now. He's got zero points from Sasha Banks and only six from Daniel Bryan, who's not even around anymore. So, yeah. I mean, he has a couple of good performers in the form of uh, Rhea Ripley. He picked Tony Schiavone, who's his second highest scorer. And he's even getting some decent points with Lashley and MVP as well. You know, the guy who originated with the main champion manager sort of tag team combination. But it's I think he's going to need to capitalize on the transfer window if he needs to get a big break, you know, possibly break into the top three like Sasha Banks. You know, she could appear after hell in a cell, but is he willing to take that bet and keep her on board? But yeah. I think it's I think it's safe to say he's going to have to get rid of Daniel Bryan and if he wants to rebound and score some bigger points here. Mm. Well, it's not David Campbell's favourite part of the show. Oh, Jesus. It's, I'm indifferent. But I'll, I'll, all I will say is that, can, can I call them bozos, David Campbell, because none of them yeah. are beating my score? You can call them bozos. You can call them anything you want. You know? But I know David Talkney won't be calling them bozos. You can so call them. No, no, no. You can, take a bu- Jack, you can take a bucket of piss, call it Granny's Peach Tea, I ain't drinking it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, remind me never to drink peach tea ever again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, Listener's League time. And to be honest, I think they're, obviously the way they draft their teams is a little different from us, but they, they put in some excellent uh, selections for their teams and their scores uh, reflect their standing compared to ours as well. Like, Jack's the only one scoring above them. But looking at our top five, it's... Again, we're starting to see some recurring names uh, appear in the top five. So joint fourth this week, it's JP with shirts in, balls out, and Tom Brock and the Tilburg Trappers, both on 178 points. Now, Tom, again, has been very consistent with his team, obviously being anchored down by his team captain of Drew McIntyre. Adam Page, uh, in particular, is scored up to 21 points now. He's also on Jack's team. So again, another sort of very strong third round pick for him. But as we said before, Daniel Bryan has been MIA for a good couple of months now. So it's uh, Tom Brock still only not operating at full capacity and he's still scoring big. Uh, definitely 
largely down to just uh, Drew's performance over the last uh, few weeks. Then obviously JP has Charlotte Flair as his team captain, in with a shout of winning the Raw Women's Championship this Sunday at Hell in a Cell. Britt Baker, AEW Women's Champion, is also on his team, plus Tony Schiavone, who, as we mentioned before, is already scoring big points as well compared to a lot of the other teams. So those two definitely keeping themselves in strong contention. But let's not uh, let's not rule out the possibility that Adam Callier with Team P45 is just one point below them on 177, and Robert Shaw with the Jesters is on 174. So fourth, fifth place could easily be overtaken by any of those two at some point. Then we go to third place. We have uh, Johnny Napier, Nehasso Brasso. Again, another brilliant performer this season on 181 points. So his team captain, Apollo Crews, he was the one to watch as we described like in the last season and it's definitely proving here and there because Apollo Cruz is currently fourth in the top scorers overall this season and yeah that's what's carrying his team forward and strong showing from Rhea Ripley as well as his uh, as his first round pick the Young Bucks is his tag team doing very well all round and Tony Schiavone is his fourth round pick as well what's letting him down though is Sasha Banks uh, who's still to score any points right now so he's kind of operating still with uh, with a one person down, but it's, uh, again, he's still still holding strong, so don't take anything away from it. Uh, second place, uh, Johnny number two, Johnny Adam with Bam Bam Jingalo is on 185 points. Uh, so, again, Johnny Adam, Rhea Ripley, the Young Bucks, a lot of recurring names here for these teams is what's uh, keeping these guys afloat. But one of the biggest takeaways for Johnny Adam's team is LA Knight. His third round pick won the million dollar championship at TakeOver in your house, and that was a massive points getter for for his team and that's what's boosted him up to second place and we've seen that with uh, Scott McLeod's team as well LA Knight was his uh, third round pick as well and that's what's helped him close the gap from last place so yep Bam Bam Gigolo is currently on 185 points but 10 points ahead of him uh, he's certainly again the firm favorite to win this uh, this season of the listeners league it's Ross Brady with the talented Mrs Ripley now I'm honestly surprised as to how he's been able to keep this lead uh, ahead even when you know, someone like Damian Priest as his team captain. Uh, it's certainly a, one of the weirdest choices I've ever seen. But what's kept him afloat is Rhea Ripley and Britt Baker, obviously the, the two women's champions of the, the two brands. Uh, and that definitely seems to be the recurring theme here. It's either Rhea Ripley uh, as their first round picks is what's keeping the listeners league uh, ahead of the table. But as we've said before, Ross Brady's secret weapon is actually having both members of Team RK Bro, who got a, a win over the New Day this week. So that's double points as he's had them as singles picks, because as his tag team, obviously AJ and Omos is there as well. And they've started to rack up some title wins, rack up some points. And now they'll be facing the Viking Raiders uh, for their next defense. So that could be another points getter for them. So yeah, it's um, looking pretty good so far, but Ray Ripley seems to be the common denominator for a lot of these high-scoring teams. Will that change after Hell in a Cell? It's certainly possible. Um, but, you know, I think Ross Brady's in a good position with Team RK Bros, uh, possibly rumoured to be taking the tag titles off uh, AJ and Omos. But the, the captaincy of Damian Priest as well, definitely an odd choice. But you know what? If it's keeping him on top, there, there's no really stopping him. So, and that's been this week's Listeners League. Wow. A very insightful David Tony. Thank you very much. Always very much for that. Dave always dresses that turd well, but it's still a turd. <laughs> <laughs> but we are on to the the analytical side of the show, as we usually do here on Saturday Draft Live. There's a peer review that happened last Sunday. That peer review last Sunday was NXT Takeover in Your House. 
And we are talking about how NXT are doing in the draft. A quick summary, just to tell you how they're getting on in the draft as my spreadsheet refreshes because my computer is very slow. We <laughs> see that NXT points drafted, there's been 281 points overall by the people that have drafted in this draft, accounting to about 20.48%. Mm. We see that's the, th- the third highest Third highest, second lowest, whatever, whatever you want to look at it. Glass half full, glass half empty, whatever. But Dave, I want to speak to you first here. Yes. We see here AW points drafted 277 points. But when you look at points overall, NXT's only got 648 and mm-hmm. AW's got 1,237. So that's like the most points just with wrestlers in general. Mm-hmm. Do you think that because of dark elevation and the, the unknown of who exactly is going to perform, that that's why it's so high on overall, but AEW is the lowest of like the drafted ones, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's it purely just comes down to people like in our draft have more faith in NXT to score them points as they do in AEW, given that AEW's roster is so diverse uh, and so spread out with its programming that it's almost difficult to tell like who's going to be on what shows and remember we we don't take all of aw's programming into consideration it's only dynamite dark elevation and pay-per-views that they do so it's and they've also got more programming with you know the rumored rampage show there's the other dark show which is on youtube it's just so much to consider uh given the aw's roster is so stacked and they can interchange you know booking on a dime whereas nxt and I've said this with NXT, this is what makes NXT so great. It's less is more with NXT. You know, a smaller roster, a more condensed roster, down-to-earth storylines and consistent booking is what's keeping them forward. And I think that's what's drawn our drafters to pick NXT talents. And that's why they're scoring more points out of the drafted competitors. But the reason NXT's uh, overall points is almost half what AEW is, is I think it's just purely down to the, the roster because AEW's roster's that massive. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And uh, David Campbell, out, out, of the, out of the draft competitors, Ryan Dugleish is the top NXT player, yeah. uh, accumulating 63.5 points. Obviously, he's got Karrion Cross, Johnny Gargano, and Scarlett Bordeaux. Mm. Do you think that this... I don't, I, I don't know if maybe NXT was part of a strategy to go in for, but that's that's kind of the main bulk of his team. Then obviously he's got hey, uh, Raymond, Raymond, Haynes and Raymond. Oh my God. Oh my Raymond, God. And Heyman. <laughs> Raymond. Raymond and Raymond are his tag team and his captains. Obviously I know you hate the word balance in the draft, but mm. do you think that this is, it's, it's quite good how he's doing with NXT so far compared to maybe how the rest are doing. I think that it's just the case of, Especially my, like myself, Gary and Steven didn't bother taking any NXT picks because I think that you look at the stats on paper, they've been, the, on average, the lowest scoring brand on average points for the last several seasons. You know what I mean? So I think, but I don't actually think that tells the entire story because you look at someone like Candice LeRae, right? And Dave's talked about Raquel Gonzalez. Look at Indy Hartwell. See if those three women had the captaincy on them, they would probably be around the fourth 
place mark for the highest scorers of the season. And that comes down to what Dave was saying there. It's a more condensed roster than NXT. So you look at the people that um, Ryan Dugleish has picked up, you look at Karrion Cross, you look at Johnny Gargaro, you look at Scarlett. Those are three not only main players in NXT, they're story-driven characters who will show up multiple times a show for backstage segments to call someone out, to progress a story, to talk to Regal or something like that. And I think that people should reevaluate their strategy when it comes to NXT because I think too often we've looked at it as the work rate brand. Let's get Kyle O'Reilly. All right, let's get Zoe Stark. Let's get Kushida's been a favourite, right? Let's get Kushida in. When really I think who should people should be looking at are your Candice Lerays. Are We talked about it the first week. Was it a good pick? It was a good pick. Indy Hartwell, story with Dexter Loomis. You look at LA Knight getting seven points this week alone. You look at someone like Cameron Grimes with his uh, Ted DiBiase story. Ted DiBiase himself wouldn't have been a bad pick just because purely he's been driving a story on that brand. And I think that's the key with NXT. Other ones you're looking for people who are wrestling multiple times a show. NXT you're looking at who is involved in a storyline and who's going to push that forward get the best of both worlds get the best of a good wrestler and a sort of Adam Pearce effect combine them both and I'll hand to and you could be on a gold dust with an NXT pick see yeah that was it, with, with my thinking I was surprised that Candice Lorraine went down so late obviously I, I said I was surprised that Indy Hartwell was the first to get drafted out the way I believe she went like third or fourth round and I took Candice Lorraine the fifth mm, yeah. but Dave we're seeing that and it's it's weird to see a fifth round pick in mind of Canister A, 29 points, is outscoring a first round pick of Raquel Gonzalez. And then a fourth round pick is equaling that pick. So is it, is it, is it what David Campbell just saying, that you need to maybe implement a different kind of way of thinking on drafting NXT? Because obviously how I did was Canister A was heavily featured. She was going like four times a show. Didn't expect her to win the women's tag titles, and she did. So that was, that was maybe a, a good bonus. Maybe she wouldn't be up the top on Wendy Hartwell if that wasn't the case. But it still stands that a fifth-round pick is the top scorer of NXT. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating as well. Uh, but it, it's no it's no stranger uh, occurrence uh, for the draft because... If you remember in the last transfer window season, I picked Angel Garza and he was actually my highest scoring uh, performer and he was a, a last round pick as well. So it's not something that should be taken taken out of context or taken lightly. But what happened with Candice LeRae was I think she over she has overperformed this season because you went in with the assumption that you know she was going to rack up points with multiple appearances being a part of the way. And you even said yourself you didn't expect her to win the women's tag titles, but she did. And not only does that help her, but it helps Indy Hartwell as well. Someone who I think we were all intrigued when Ryan chose her as his third round pick. And, you know, she's, you know, she's uh, given him a massive points booster at the same time. So it's one of those rare occurrences where you don't expect like uh, a fifth round pick is there to sort of be your backbone and just, you know, keep keep you above water with any additional points you can scrape off uh, just in whatever circumstance. But... This is an occasion where, you know, not, also, not only is Candice appearing multiple times, she's competing consistently and she's performing as a champion where she had a title win uh, fairly, fairly early in the season. And it's that consistency and that overperforming is what's putting her at the top of the table ahead of her own tag team partner, Indy, and even the two main champions, Raquel Gonzalez and Karrion Cross. You say it's overperforming. Like, see, to be honest, Candice Lede, we, uh, we talked about it week one, sleeper pick. 29.5 points season 5, 30 points season 6, 27 points season 7. 
she is one of these draft performers who goes under the radar. And we've had competitors come on this show and talk about the lack of female talent. No, when you're drafting females, there's a, there's a real, you know, bottom that comes out. And I, I just disagree with that. I just think that a lot of us overlook, myself included, picks like Candice LeRae and specifically a lot of the NXT women's division as well, especially with it heating up the likes of Dakota Kai wrestling. We've seen Casey Catanzaro or, uh, and... Um, and Caden Carter competing tag team matching this week. There's a lot of women who are getting consistency on that brand. I think if you listen to Triple H, he was talking about not doing an Art Evolution pay-per-view because that wouldn't be a quality. And I think from another man, people would go mental about that. But see, if you look at NXT, it really is 50-50 in terms of TV time for the men and the women. So they are doing it right in that brand. And if you are getting to the bottom rounds and are looking for a female pick, I'd suggest going to NXT because they're more than likely mm. going to get the TV time there. Yep. I mean, look at the, the other names you didn't mention. You know, even names like Zia Lee and Mercedes Martinez, they both get showcased at TakeOver in your house there. And they've got a bit of their own sort of undercard storyline going on. And that's another thing that NXT's doing really well. It's actually giving the female performers an undercard story that doesn't involve the 100%. championships. Because that's always been Raw and SmackDown's uh, sort of kryptonite when it comes to the women's division. They can only book, they only seem to book their female talent around championships, mm -hmm. whereas they don't really give them a, a really in-depth story to work with. And Zia Lee, Mercedes Martinez is a prime example of that. Yeah, even look at Io Shirai coming back on the scene. Undrafted now has a story where he's away start going after the Robert Stone brand. Frankie Monet floating around the Robert Stone brand could perhaps try and steal his clients from him. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. I would, I would hasten a guess transfer window if people are looking to replace female picks. They could be looking at NXT. Like, don't forget Shotzi Blackheart either. You know, she's just back from, you know, some time off. You know, her and Ember Moon could be going in a completely different direction themselves. You know, maybe they might not, they might re-challenge for the women's tag titles or they could, uh, or maybe Shotzi could get a shot at Raquel at some point, somewhere down the line. So don't take anything away from Shotzi Blackheart either. Well, Scott's drafted them out and Shotzi a tag team. So that's, that's just that, that is what it is. But one, one thing I'll ask about NXT before, we, we move on to the next part, is that Nia and Shane has an 18 points. Ember and Shots is in 20. Omega and Carlos is on 19. Pretty Deadly is on 10. FTR is on 13. The NXT Tag Team Champions are 26. Mm. Obviously, we're a bit confused as to why they weren't drafted in the first place. Mm. Do you think they proved that they should be picked up this transfer window? Yep. Yeah, 100%. And I think that is going to come down to what people's priorities are because that's not a case of if they get picked up, Jack, that's a case of who's going to take them. And I think people need to be very careful about do they need to replace perhaps a female pick more than a tag pick? Do they need a good male mid-carder to come in and replace someone not performing on their show? Who is it that really needs to replace their tag team more than anyone? I might suggest, and this could be a bold call, MSK, if Scott McLeod passes on them and I pass on them, MSK could go as far as Ryan Gallagher and we could see him getting MSK in his team, which would be bad news for anyone at the top end of that table because that's really one of his key weaknesses up there uh, alongside Zoe Stark. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting one. Obviously, it might be well, I wouldn't say he's overperforming because I don't think it's overperforming. I think he did just yeah, I just picked really, really well. Yeah. So he might be yeah. a bit worried on his position that he might not get them. But as you said, there's only really two folk in that bottom half that maybe need to look to change their tag team. 
Mm-hmm. And if it goes so far up to Ryan, he'll be fucking like yeah. spit, spitting that money, chucking let's, it away. Let's, let's play a guessing game. Scott's going to want to replace Walter more than anyone. Right. Easily. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've got more trouble with my female picks right now than I do FTR. You know what I mean? And even even looking up, like, there's no one else whose tag team picks are, like, their lowest pick on their team. Like, it, they, could, they might be underperforming, but there's no one who really has that as their key struggle here. So yeah. I, I genuinely think it's going to be Ryan Gallagher who gets MSK, which, Jack, and coming in, we know we've said you've got a big lead here, but if Ryan Gallagher gets MSK and maybe manages to get a good female pick to the place Zoe Stark later on... He could manage to maybe mount somewhat of a challenge heading forward. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It'll all come down to whether Ryan, you know, wants to transfer Zoe Stark or Pretty Deadly first. Like, you know, I, I think it'd be pretty stupid not to transfer Pretty Deadly first because Zoe Stark's starting to get better. a bit more exposure. You know, uh, teaming with Io Shirai, hopefully, and you know they might get a shot at the way at some point. So mm. it, it all depends. You know, I think Ryan. For Ryan's benefit, he would. I think he would need to change pretty deadly first. You know, give Zoe Stark a second chance to sort of recuperate some points there. And but I tell you what, though, that means Stephen will be in a tough position because I imagine he'll he might want to trade Nia and Shayna at some point, given that Shayna's now in this sort of singles feud with Alexa Bliss. At yeah, the and, and no, but the thing is, Dave, he runs a risk because we know Stephen's strategy. He did it last transfer window. I can't quite remember who it was, but he waited to the very last day to transfer them out his teams so no one else could get them. He, he runs the risk, if he tries to pull that again, that he's not going to get a tag team who will be beneficial for him coming into the latter half of the season. So Stephen either needs to try and get in on that tag team action day one or two and allow someone else to bolster their team with Nia Jax or Shayna Baszler should they choose... Or he leaves, the, like I said, he runs the risk of ending up with someone he doesn't particularly want as his tag team later on in the draft. Either way, get it up him. But, <laughs> uh, as we spoke about a lot in this episode, next week is transfer window week. Mm. No points will be scored. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, I think, are days that you can transfer folk out of your team. And on Thursday, it's internal transfers between team members. Maybe I'll take a pick off David Campbell. Maybe he'll take a pick off David Hockney. <laughs> Who knows? But next week, David Campbell will break down all the transfers that are happening. Maybe we even have a special guest with such a soothing voice on the show next week to go through the transfers as well. It'll be a marvellous time. So tune in for a that. A fine, young, tenderoni. Yo, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> But we'll be here, don't worry. It'll be a, a bumper edition, as I said. It'll be an absolutely barnstormer of a show. But today's show is over. I apologise again for being rough, but I will thanks David Campbell. For, thanks, David Campbell. Thank you, David, David Campbell. One Grant Hanley. There's only one, <laughs> one Grant, Grant Hanley. Hanley. I say Grant, you say Hanley. Grant. Hadley. Grant. Hadley. <laughs> and David Hockney. Thank, Thank you very much. much. That's Saturday Draft Live. Sorry for the shit show, but we'll see you next week. <laughs> Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Podcast Network.